Hi, welcome to Musicians on the Record. I'm David Ward. This is the show where we bring you the musician's story. And this guy has got one heck of a story. He is a drummer, percussionist, conductor, talent and business agent in the music business, has worked with Elvis, Barbara Streisand, Judy Garland. The legendary Bobby Morris is on the show today. Welcome, Bobby. Well, thank you very much, David, and thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. It's uh, my treat to have you on the show. And you have a new book. It's an amazing read. It's called My Las Vegas. For folks who are listening, pick this up right now. Go to HudsonMusic.com or Amazon.com and, and read this book because it's a musical history lesson is what I got out of it. It's fa fantastic. What was the inspiration to write this book right now, Bob? The inspiration, David, was uh, uh, for many years, uh, I've been asked uh, by many people, uh, you know, I've, uh, the stories, my stories that I've gone through in the entertainment business, in the music business, how everything evolved. Mm. And, uh, and it all evolved from, um, from being a little boy, you know, growing up. Yeah. In in Europe and coming back, coming to this country and and uh, and learning to play drums and that I I got my inspiration from my grandfather mm. when I heard him in a uh, marching band in Poland yeah. and um, you know one thing leads to another and it's kind of you might say uh, steps baby steps mm. so you go from one level to another if you have the inspiration. And if you have the will to 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 do it, yeah. and uh, and I certainly had that, and it takes a lot of work, a lot of practice, yeah. a lot of effort, but uh, eventually it pays off, yes. and it uh, certainly paid off for me because I I have done nothing else but play music, right. and I've done nothing else but be involved in music, yeah. from playing wise from from handling acts, from uh, performing with different big bands, mm. from performing with uh, jazz groups, modern jazz, you know, and and playing all kinds of different types of music, like Greek music, but the different time signatures. Yeah. And um, I was fortunate enough to get in with Latin bands in New York City, and they accepted me as one of them. Because I, I learned how to play authenticate and play with authenticity, you might say, yes. their type of music. And uh, I was accepted by whoever I had played with because I put a lot of effort in and a lot of time and, and a lot of learning mm -hmm. and a lot of perseverance. You know, you talked about in your book when you saw your grandfather in that marching band. Uh, yes. What What do you remember feeling when you saw him and that is that first inspiration on the drums? Well, actually, David, I I was thrilled. Mm. It was absolute a thrill to me to hear him play in this marching band. And of course, I'm sure you're aware of and acquainted with military drumming. Yes. And I had the opportunity later on in my life to to study military drumming from the NARD book, National Association of Rudimental Drummers. Yes. 
And um, so that, in, that inspired me to a point where uh, when I was about 11 years old and I had just arrived a very short time ago and I somehow or other I learned how to speak English over the summer and I uh, saw an ad advertising the Benny Goodman Orchestra with Gene Krupa on drums and um, and I, I heard him on the radio and I was thrilled. Yeah. So I, I saved up my nickels and dimes and in order to to um, to get to New York, you know, we it, it was a nickel on subway train and and it was a quarter to come to go to Paramount Theater wow. and see uh, Benny Goodman with Gene Krupa and and I was I got to tell you I was hooked from that point on. Amazing. So as I was walking down Broadway, I passed by Wurlitzer's and uh, there was a drummer playing and he sounded wonderful. I asked him who his teacher was. And he said there was Henry Adler at the Whitby Hotel. So I I found the Whitby Hotel. It was on 8th Avenue on 43rd Street in New York. Yes. And I saw Mr. Adler. I said, uh, Mr. Adler, I would like to take lessons from you. And and um, I really would appreciate it if you could teach me. He, he says, well, yes, I could take you on as a student. That would be $3 a lesson. So at, at the time, I thought it was kind of a lot of money, but uh, I was shining shoes, and I figured, well, okay, $3 means I would have to shine 60 pair of shoes at five <laughs> cents a pair. Yeah, wow. So I uh, I started taking lessons from him, and, um, and then w- one time I came in to the studio, and he said, I want you to hear this drummer. And uh, I said, wonderful. So uh, he brought this drummer in. There was about six months ahead of me, been playing for about six months before I uh, came to study with Henry. And his name was uh, Freddie Gruber. And and Freddie uh, was absolutely wonderful. And I was just starting, you know, and I'm learning the rudiments, you know, very slowly. And Freddie is playing it like a a house on fire. (laughs) So it it encouraged me to to work very, very hard. So I would practice six to eight hours a day on a drum pad. Wow. Not drums. At that time, you practice until you you got calluses on your fingers, you know. So I, I finally felt that I almost caught up to Freddie. And so uh, it it got to a point where Henry Adler started featuring Freddie and myself with new students. In other words, to encourage him, you see what you could do if you practice type of encouragement. And and of course, from that day on, Freddie and I were uh, very, very good friends. And that was many, many years ago. Yes, of course. And if and, and and of course, at that time, you know, things started to happen. And I found uh, that I loved 52nd Street. Hmm. So about 14 or so, I would start going down 52nd Street and listening to jazz music. And yeah. and uh, and finally, I got a job playing drums in the Catskill Mountains. 
and it was uh, it paid fifteen dollars a week. Mm-hmm. It was for ten weeks. Mm-hmm. I didn't have drums, and I really didn't know how to play drums. I I was I I was a very good rudimental drummer on a drum pad. Yeah. So I, I went to a friend of mine who was working with uh, a neighbor. Mm-hmm. His name was uh, Sonny, and he was working with the uh, Freddie Slack Orchestra. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, how do you play a hi-hat? Mm-hmm. And he showed me how to play a hi-hat. And that hi-hat, that hi-hat beat took me through the summer. Wow. See, my reading was wonderful, and my my hands were good. I I knew the rudiments, and I knew you know, how to read, but I didn't know how to apply it to drums. So I, I learned over the summer, I was making $15 a week. I didn't have drums. So I borrowed uh, $150 from my father and I promised I would pay him back. Hmm. So we worked uh, 10 weeks and I saved up $150. All I needed was a toothpaste and a toothbrush. Right. <laughs> so... At the end of the uh, summer, I paid him back, and uh, then the next summer, I got a job that paid twenty-five dollars a week. Mm. And I got and uh, David, I got a tremendous amount of experience playing for shows as a young boy. Mm. And um, some incidents happened where I was playing for this particular show, and uh, this comedian that had me, you know, catch hmm. his comedy with a boom and a cymbal crash and whatever. Hmm. So at this particular night, he was bombing. Hmm. So he, he turned around to me and he was blaming me for him bombing, you know. Oh, yikes. So, I, so, of course, I was only about 14 years old and I really couldn't, uh, hmm. maybe 15 at the time. Hmm. So I, uh, I I remembered that incident, and uh, I the next summer when when I got a job I played for the same same place mm-hmm. and for the same comedian, and this time I I went over to him before the show, I said, um, John, I if you do that to me again that you mm-hmm. did last year. Mm-hmm. I would be forced to see. I was working out with weights and things like that. Yeah. I was preparing. I was preparing yeah. for this particular day mm. when, when anticipating yes. that he might pull the same thing on me. Yeah. And I said, if you do that, I would, I would be forced to put you up against the wall <laughs> and wring your neck. Right. <laughs> so, so can I tell you that? He respected me the whole summer and never pulled that again on me. Fantastic. And uh, yeah. so, and uh, anyhow, uh, so I got more experience playing for more shows and and reading, you know, and I thank Henry Adler for that. Yes. And you had, one you had your... Another. You had your Charles Atlas moment right there, Bobby, right? With I had guy. my Charles Atlas moment. <laughs> and, and let me tell you something. I believe other drummers probably went through that. Sure. See, when sure. when a comic is bombing, mm. so they they have to blame it on somebody. Right. So usually, right. usually the uh, drummer becomes the fall guy. You know? Yes, yes. Yeah. So I, I told that story, and the drummers have, uh, have, have really appreciate Right. 
appreciate what what I had done. You know, yeah. Don't mess with Yeah, don't mess with the drummer, right? So that's important. Don't, so. don't, don't mess with the drummer. <laughs> Do not mess with the drummer. No, no. You know, you mentioned your dad before, and and yeah, him yeah. him him helping you buy the drum set. I was also struck by in your book, yeah, you're talking about what a yeah. it was a huge sacrifice your family your whole family actually made when you came to America from Poland uh, and family had to separate. Can you talk a little bit about what that was like? Well, yes, that was very tough. Uh, I came, I came to this country in uh, June 27, 1937. Mm. And that was uh, three days before my 10th birthday. Mm. And uh, unfortunately though, my uh, mother and my younger brother, yeah. We're not allowed to come because until my father proved that he could uh, support us. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, w- we came over on the ship called the Bolsutski, mm-hmm. and uh, my mother and brother were left in Vilno, Poland. Mm-hmm. And about uh, a year and a few months later, they finally came over on the Bolsutski yeah. because he proved that he could earn a living and support them. Good. So on, on the way back, the Pasutsky was sunk by German uh, U-boat, uh, you know, uh, submarines. Oh, no. Wow. And that, that was the end of that. Mm. And, of course, uh, Hitler marched into Poland. Yes. And um, and uh, created a lot of havoc, as yeah. history will tell you. Right. Scary stuff, huh? Scary stuff. Yeah. So my mother and uh, brother came over, and it was wonderful to Good. have my family and. Yes. Times were tough, sure. And you know, I was doing a lot of uh, shining shoes and mowing lawns and delivering newspapers yeah. and polishing silverware yeah. and whatever I could. And the money that my father lent me, the hundred and fifty dollars that first summer, I, I of course saved it up and paid him back. That's wonderful. And the next summer, you know, I made twenty five dollars a week, and that was two hundred and fifty dollars. That's amazing. So I. That was my money, but I still split it with him, and I opened up an account. Yeah. And uh, I just want to tell the young musicians out there that are listening how important it is to be independent and to save your money when you're working, yes. because you never know right. when a, a rainy day will come. You bet. And that, you know, there's highs and lows of a career, right? So it's, you know, you, you obviously had the drumming bug and you were, you were very inspired playing all these shows. How did your folks feel about you saying, I want to be a drummer and, you know. Well, thank you for asking, David. My, my father was not happy with it at all. Okay. He, uh, he said, what are you doing practicing six, eight hours a day? You're never going to amount to anything. Mm. And uh, so it, I certainly didn't get encouragement from my my family. Yeah. And he said, look, if you if you work like a paper hanger like I do, you could make $25 a week. Mm. And, you know, yeah. every week you can make $25 a week. I said, well, Pa, I don't want to be a paper hanger. I want to be a drummer. So he said, well, you're never going to amount to anything. Mm. So uh, this leads me into like going a few years ahead. And Mm -hmm. if you'd like to hear what transpired after that. Yeah. Well, um, 
Um, of course, uh, I, I, uh, I found myself in Las Vegas. Hmm. And um, after traveling with many bands like, uh, like Charlie Burnett, Man- Maynard Ferguson, Benny Carter, um, and, uh, you know, uh, working with the uh, Swing and Sway with Sammy Kay. Yes. And, uh, and all kinds of Latin bands and Greek bands. But uh, I found myself in Las Vegas because I heard what wonderful weather it was because during my time with bands, I'm on the road and it's uh, it's snowing and mm-hmm. ten below zero and it's horrible weather. Right. And I said there must be a place on Earth that is uh, <laughs> that is has nicer weather, nicer atmosphere than this. Sure. So somebody, uh, one of the musicians and on the Charlie Barnett band said, "Well, there is a place in and it's called Las Vegas. It's a little bitty town." out west and um, so I remember that and I put it in the back of my mind and uh, so one night I was sitting at the uh, Charlie's Tavern in New York and uh, somebody came in and said he was looking for a drummer to go to Las Vegas well immediately my ears perked up <laughs> and uh, as I said I'll take it you bet I don't care how much I don't care how much it pays Right. I was doing quite well working with, uh, with uh, you know, uh, swing and sway with Sammy Cade. That yes. I was actually making very good money, and uh, nice. and uh, and then working at night. Uh, after that, I, I would go to Fifty Second Street mm. and do my jazz things. Mm. So anyhow, uh, that's how I wound up in Las Vegas. Anyhow, uh, so. Uh, Getting back to what my father had said, yes. that you'll never amount to anything. Uh, I wound up, you know, of course, uh, in Las Vegas, I wound up playing with the relief band. So every single night I would play for a different star. And uh, the regular house band would uh, take off uh, because they, they would be off that particular night. So anyhow... I got to know all the stars, and they got to know me, and and I made some very good contacts that way. Well, one one of the stars in that particular time was uh, Eddie Fisher. Yes. So I wound up uh, Eddie, Eddie. They they each at one time or other asked me to travel with them, mm-hmm. like people like K Star and Frankie Lane and Tony Martin mm-hmm. and uh, Bobby Darren and. And uh, many, many people. I, I played for the Rat Pack, you know, uh, for Lena Horn, where I met Benny Carter. And wow. and I played, he invited me to play for his orchestra at the Moulin Rouge, and uh, mm. which was the, the uh, African, the, sure. the town, uh, the, the west side of town where where it's only black people, not uh, white people, weren't even wouldn't even go there. Mm. But it was the most wonderful experience of my life wow. because I played for the, uh, uh, you know, for the Harlem, uh, the wonderful shows out of Harlem. And sure. Benny Carter was a tremendous musician, tremendous orchestra, mm. and I was the only white guy in the band. And uh, somebody asked him, "How come you have?" a white guy in the band with all African-American guys. He said, mm-hmm. well, because he, 
he plays like an African American guy, <laughs> you know. Plays. Yes, and that's why I have him. I mean, you know, the this uh, this fellow from Australia came in and wanted to uh, to hire the band, but he 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 want, he said no. But we need a black drummer. We can't have an all black band with a white drummer. He says, then I'm not taking the job. You know. Mm. Anyhow, that's that's another story in itself. Okay. And uh, yeah. Joe Lewis was the uh, was kind of the host. It was a, a very, very exciting days, and yeah. it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. But getting back to my what my father had said, yes, um, I'm with Eddie Fisher, and I'm traveling. I'm doing a 26 theater tour with him and Buddy Hackett, and uh, we wind up at Palace Theater in New York. Yeah, and then uh, and that was for about six weeks, and then we had. Then I had another twelve weeks with Eddie at the um, at the Wald of Astoria. Hmm. So I I invited my uh, parents. They had never seen me play. They never seen me at any shows. They had never really been out of Brooklyn. And uh, here I am with a suite at the Wald of Astoria. And uh, and I invite them to see the show. And Eddie introduces. Introduced them, mm-hmm. and they they were frozen stiff because the spotlight went on them, and it was yeah, my God, <laughs> he, they could they couldn't believe that there was a spotlight on them. Sure, sure. So anyhow, at, at the end of the uh, show, I invited my father to the uh, cashier's cage because mm-hmm. I was getting paid. Yeah. So uh, the, the cashier started counting off hundred dollar bills. Yeah. He went one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Mm-hmm. So I, oh, thank you very much, and I, and I left. You know, yeah. and my father said, "What did you do? Rob a bank?" <laughs> I said, "I said no, Pa. This is, this is what I get paid every week for playing drums." Amazing. I said, "You once told me that you know you wanted me to be a paper hanker, but I." Right. I wanted to be a drummer, so now I'm I'm playing and yeah. and I'm playing for some very important people. Yes, yeah, I thought that was a very heart, heartwarming story, and uh, did thank you. yeah, absolutely, and you know, thank God you you followed your guidance with that and and didn't go for the paper hanger. Were they did they change perception on that? Were they proud of your success? They were very very proud. Yeah, they were very proud, and uh, and I. And uh, of course, they had never eaten in a restaurant, no, no less uh, the yeah. Wall of Astoria had power of the pen. Yes, at the Waldorf, you know, yeah. Yeah. and uh, and uh, and then of course many, many, many things happened thereafter. I'm traveling with Eddie to uh, to Mexico City. If uh, if it's in the book, but if you would like me to repeat, I'll be happy to. Would love it. The book has some wonderful stories. Yes, it does. I'm, I'm at the El Forum uh, Club in Mexico City, and uh, a man came in. His name was, uh, he introduced me to him. Eddie introduced me to the man as Dr. Goldberg. Okay. And I said, oh, it's a pleasure meeting you, Dr. Goldberg. And he said, uh, so this went on for four weeks. But at one time, at a point during the four weeks, I was getting married hmm. to my uh, third wife. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I couldn't find the right one, so now I'm married three times. 
Mm-hmm. But she was a beautiful girl in a holiday hotel, I'm sorry, holiday model in Las Vegas. So uh, anyhow, Eddie said, I want to be your best man. And he gives me a $1,000 bill. And Dr. Goldberg says, I want to be your best man, too. Hmm. And he gives me a $1,000 bill. And that was unbelievable. Yeah. So we go out to Teotihuacan, Mexico, which is a suburb of... Uh, <clears throat> of uh, Mexico City, and uh, we get married, and there's a picture uh, in the book of Dr. Goldberg, Eddie Fisher, myself, and a girl that was was, uh, actually uh, Dr. Goldberg's uh, girlfriend, and she was also a girlfriend of of, uh, uh, Kennedy, President Kennedy. Yeah, And uh, so so we get married, and... uh, on the way back, Dr. Goldberg says, I'd like to invite you to my villa, you know, and to celebrate your wedding. I said, well, thank you. So he he goes ahead, and, and then we drive up to the villa, and there's men with machine guns outside. And uh, and I, I come in, and Dr. Goldberg is cooking all this wonderful Italian food. Mm. And I said, Dr. Goldberg, excuse me for asking, but this and with machine guns up in your roof. He says, well, Bobby, some people don't like me, but now that I'm your best man, my name is Dr. Goldberg. I said, well, what is it? Sam Giancana. Wow. And uh, Sam Giancana was at that time kind of head of the mafia and, mm-hmm. uh, and a wonderful man, a wonderful friend. Mm. And then people like, um, like the mafia type of people that like you, they 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 will do anything in the world for you, mm. and they're really wonderful. Oh. I uh, met him through at one time <clears throat> when I was with <clears throat> Louis Prima Keeley Smith, and yes. that of course is another episode in the book that you might find quite interesting. Yeah, can we talk and, about and it, that? Of course, we could talk yes. about anything you want, David. All right, yeah, because uh, you know, yeah. obviously, this was a highlight of your career starting to play with Louis Prima. And one of the things, one of the things you are best known for is creating that shuffle. And I, I, as a drummer, I want to hear more about that. So, okay. Well, can can I tell you how it, how it evolved? Please. Yes. Okay. Well, I, I was, I had my own jazz group and I was um, playing for many people in like Mel Torme and, and Cy Coleman, a different with my with my quartet, mm-hmm. and I'm very happy. And I'm running sessions at the Black Magic in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. and every night we uh, we would start at two o'clock in the morning and go till till ten o'clock in the morning, David. Wow! And uh, and every star in Las Vegas would come in to sit in. There were people like that were appearing there, like Sarah Vaughan, Ella Fitzgerald, the Woody Herman Band. Uh, was appearing, and the guys, you, I'm sure you know Al Cohn and mm-hmm. Serge Chaloff and Suit Sims mm. and uh, people of that nature, and uh, they would come in and sit in, and Frank Rossellino and, and and Stan Kenton's band would come in. So I I was very, very happy. Um, I had my own trio at the Sahara, and, and I'm playing jazz, you know, after hours. Also at the uh, Black Magic. Well, uh, Louis Prima and Keely Smith came in with a band that was kind of 
a uh, a somewhat uh, um, small version of of the, the his big band. Okay. And and it was not quite coherent mm-hmm. at that time musically, but Louis is such a great entertainer that they decided to keep him on. Mm-hmm. When he came back, he came back with Sambiterra and uh, Little Red on trombone, Billy McCumber on piano, and Mata Rodriguez on bass, and, and, and Dick Johnson on drums. And it was uh, 100% better. Well, anyhow, uh, Sam Butera would come and sit in with us every night. And one night he came over to me and said, uh, Louis Primo would like to talk to you. So I said, well, what about? He said, well, I don't know. Why don't you talk to him? You know, I think he wants you to come on the band, but I don't know. So anyhow, I, I came over and talked to him, and I w- really wasn't interested at the time because I was doing quite well. Mm-hmm. And and he uh, he kind of hypnotized me, and he said, well, we're going to be doing the Colgate Comedy Hour, Frank Sinatra special, Donna Shore, uh, uh, you know, uh, shows. and uh, Major, major and, TV shows. Major TV shows. Yes, yes. Ed Sullivan and whatever. Wow. And uh, and I, I said, well, how much are you making, kid? How much are you making now? <laughs> so I said, I'm making $200 a week. Mm-hmm. He said, well, I'll, I'll give you $300 a week, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and and on top of that, it'll be, or oh, maybe 350 Yeah. As on top of that, we're going to be doing TV shows. And I believe the scale is 350 for every show, you know. And, wow. And I'm I'm about to sign a recording contract with um, Capitol Records. So, and I, I, w- I would really like you to join the group. I said, I'm thinking about this. And all of a sudden, you know, I have a wife and a few kids. And, yeah. and wow, that sounded pretty good to me. Yeah. The potential of making so much more money. Of course. I said, so I said, I'll come on, but I have an idea. Now, I see the drummer that I replaced was playing a shuffle thing with two hands on a closed hi-hat, which was kind of tinny and wasn't full. Hmm. And uh, and I had an idea. I told him, and I want to I want to practice with the, I want to run it by the, the piano player and the bass player, Billy McCumber and Amado Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. So I did, and and I, I thought about doing the shuffle with the left hand against right hand time. Mm-hmm. So you know, and acting in two and four, and having the piano player playing ding 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 and having the bass player acting two and four. Yes. So so we started on on a slow thing. Uh, just a gigolo, and I got nobody was, mm. which was part of the repertoire at the time. Yes. The original and, and Louis Louis just flipped out. Hmm. Louis just flipped out over the that sound, <laughs> and 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 uh, and. But lo and behold, I didn't realize that that he wanted it now on on at every tempo, <laughs> and we were playing you know yeah. some ridiculous like uh, tempos you know that uh, and uh, so anyhow it it caused it. it Creative thing for me to practice. Yes, you know, I said, well, I better practice every night. I would come in, 
and practice about an hour or two before we would go on. So we would start up there, up there at the up tempo shuffle with accent two and four. And it uh, it created a sound and uh, that every group started to copy. And Hmm. when when we signed with Capitol Records and we did the first album, The Wildest, it uh, it was a big hit album. And uh, everywhere I would go in Las Vegas, drummers were playing shuffle and it's saxophone players that emulate uh, Sam Buter and so on and so wow. forth. That's amazing. And um, so this went on for about eight years. And uh, and uh, one thing led to another and everybody, many people came in to hear the group. Uh, it's in the book, Buddy Rich was with Harry James at the time. Yes. And uh, I don't know if you'd like to hear this story, but uh, I, as, as I said, one one little thing leads to another. Yes. <clears throat> so I'm, <clears throat> Buddy Rich would come in every night. I never <clears throat> said hello to him because I heard from people that younger drummers would come over and say, uh, and he would be kind of like fluff offish yeah. to them. And uh, he, Buddy has a way of, of uh, being uh, having touches of sarcasm, cynicisms, and mm-hmm. and whatever. Yeah. And so I was eating breakfast at the Silver, Silver Slipper. I came in and uh, and he was sitting with Chick Keeney, a drummer with Freddie Bell, a very good drummer. Okay. And uh, and uh, and so I said hello to Chick. And so Buddy grabs my arm. He says. What do you have to do when a dog be told before you say hello? <laughs> uh, he used he used words that I cannot repeat. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, well, I heard you know young drummers would come over and you. I said, well, what do you think I've been coming in here for? You're a freaking animal, you know. Wow, and wow. You yeah. call me an animal, man. Yeah, that's he a- says that nobody could play do what you do and live. It's amazing. And it was, it was very difficult. Physically, it was very, very difficult to play and to sustain an entire night. And where one medley goes into another, yeah. and you don't have time to, to wipe the sweat off your face. You of know, course. Physically, it was very, now, very difficult. Can, can I ask you about that, Bobby, as far as like, what, what, are we, what are we talking about is how fast of the BPM are we talking about, beats per minute of uh, these uh, shuffles? Okay, we're talking... I, I don't know exactly how to tell you how fast yeah. the the, the, the uh, whatever you're saying, whatever yeah. you're asking, yeah. but I can tell you this. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll give you an example. Yeah. Uh, uh, some about a couple of years later, I was Keely Smith was um, was doing an album for Reprise, Frank mm-hmm. Sinatra's label, mm-hmm. and I and I. Uh, and I and and they flew me in, and they had all the top players in Hollywood: hmm. Bonnie Kessel on guitar, Paul Smith, Joe Mondragon, uh, Paul Smith on piano, Joe Mondragon, the uh, Condoli brothers, Frank Rossellino on on wow. I mean, they're great, great players. Yes, legendary. And 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 Shelley Mann and Alvin Stoller were on staff. Yes. And hmm. uh, so I come in and with my suitcase, and I and I get behind the drums and, and we open up with 
when you're smiling at the sheik. Up there. A top top tempo. Yeah. With a full shuffle going with the left hand again. Right hand fine. And I hear rumbling in back of me. Holy God, holy this, whatever, you know, from Shirley Man. Yeah. And I, I I assumed that he was kind of like they didn't like what I was doing. Yeah. So I got up I and when we got off the set, I said, Something wrong, Shelley? And he says, How the hell do you do that? You know. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, Shelley and I and Alvin Stoller, who were top drummers in Hollywood studios wow. and wonderful, wonderful players. But anyhow, it was it was a physical thing. Sure. And it was a very hard physical thing. You had to be very strong and and, mm-hmm. and your foot, you know, especially Louis Prima insisted on boom 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 with the bass drum going all the time. So four on the floor all the time. All the time, yes. Four going all the time. And 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 the hi hat close hi-hat hmm. and get get yeah. very definite sound yeah. with the accent coming on two and four. Yes. Now, I know the shelf had been around, you know, in blues and rhythm and blues, mm-hmm. but it, I don't believe it was ever used in uh, in that kind of, uh, of uh, musical uh, yeah. situation. That fast jazz and, kind of uh, yeah, tempo, right, right, yeah, and they, they, and uh, you know then things started to happen. I'm in the book, the, um, the Roots of Rock Drumming, that uh, yeah. Daniel Glass. I think I'm sure you know Daniel Glass and Steve Smith. They, yeah. they wrote it. Great drummers, both of them, right? Yeah, great, great drummers. And by yes. the way, Steve did the the. Uh, the forward mm, yes. to the book. I, did you have a chance to read it? I did. It was wonderful. And <laughs> He's obviously, wonderful. He, yeah. He he did it on a uh, <clears throat> going to Russia hmm. with Journey. Is that right? And uh, <laughs> yeah, he did it on the plane Amazing. to Russia. Uh, uh, Rob Wallace, uh, Hudson Music, who yes who I adore. He's a wonderful man and yeah. a, a great innovator. And uh, I just had the pleasure of <clears throat> spending some time with him in Las Vegas doing book signing. And yeah. I appeared on podcasts and TV shows and sure. and uh, uh, live uh, showrooms where I actually played a little bit too oh, wow. and interviewed and all that. Wonderful. And <clears throat> when we did the, uh, the, uh, the book signing, uh, yeah. Uh, at first, it started out very slow, and I said, oh, my God, I hope some people come. Sure. Well, within about a half hour to an hour, there were over 200 people there. That's and wonderful. And I signed for three and a half hours, <laughs> and, it was, it, and some really good people. I mean, some important people in Vegas. That's incredible. Good for you, Bob. And, uh, for you. Thank you very much. And uh, so, uh, any, do you, do you, anyhow, one thing led to another, and... It's and then I, I went into the. Uh, I'm, I'm playing uh, with Andy Williams, hmm. and, and I don't need to be dropping names. I'm just. Well, this, this is, is just, yeah. These yeah. are your coworkers. Your co- these. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I, I I I met Andy Williams in in uh, and and on tour once when he it was uh, Kay Thompson and the Williams brothers, hmm. and uh, Andy became a good friend. Anyhow. Um, 
he went into the um, Caesar's Palace, mm-hmm. and he asked me to go in with him. And so I, I did the engagement, and <clears throat> one night, a fella came in by the name of Jerry Mercer, mm, and sure. uh, and I was on the uh, Sammy K band with him. Mm-hmm. The reason I was I was Sammy K. The reason I was with Sammy K. I wasn't particularly a fan of that music, but it was very good paying job, mm. and uh, it was a very good orchestra for what they did. And that's another story of how that evolved. Sure. But um, mainly, I, I played with the big bands like Maynard Ferguson. I mean, some big swinging bands too. Yeah. But and anyhow, um, so um, what was I saying just now? We were talking about Jerry Mercer working with Jerry. Okay. Mercer. So, right. Thank you very much. Sure. Thank you for reminding. Me. You bet. So Jerry Mercer, I said, so I said, uh, so what are you doing, Jerry? He said, well, I just uh, have an agency created uh, enterprises, and um, uh, would you like to be my partner? Mm. I said, well, I don't know anything about the agency business. So anyhow, um, I decided to to try it. Mm. So we opened up an office in, in Las Vegas, and this is another uh situation that evolved into something very big for me yes yeah another major now, uh, shift in your career a very big shift yes so i was uh, at the time doing a lot of work in puerto rico hmm. with many people mm-hmm. tony martin eddie fisher uh, uh frankie lane you know just all kinds of people that whenever they go to puerto rico they invite me to come and play for them yeah well uh, I I um, I figured being in the agency business, you got to sell acts. Mm-hmm. So uh, when uh, when I went to Puerto Rico, I uh, I brought uh, I invited I brought three three um, acts with me. I didn't actually bring it with me. I brought the promo of them with me. Okay. And I, I sold it to uh, uh, Mr. Piero, Louis Piero, who was the owner of the El San Juan Hotel okay. in Puerto Rico. So uh, I, uh, I I booked these three acts and at uh, $4,000 a piece a week, wow. plus the rooms, plus transportation. Hmm. And so this amounted to... Uh, to like twelve thousand dollars a week total gross, Goodness. and my my commission was going to be fifteen percent, okay. which is roughly twelve hundred and six hundred to eighteen hundred dollars a week. It's good money. Well, I came back, and uh, I I I told Jerry, and I was very excited, mm-hmm. and I said, and by the way, what what did you do while I was gone? He says, well, my wife doesn't like me to to go out at night, you know, and hmm. I said, but Jerry, you can't be in the entertainment business hmm. as little as I know of it. You yeah. can't be in the entertainment business and stay home. Right. You've got to go on and find groups yes. and try to yeah. find uh, rooms for them to appear in. Sure. So anyhow, it uh, to make a long story short, that uh, partnership didn't work out very well, but I did have three groups booked for a year. So I, I said, I'll tell you what, Jerry, I've got three books booked for a year, and it comes to a, quite a sizable amount. 
I'll split it with you. But as far as being partners, I don't think this is going to work out. Mm. So I, uh, I kind of paid him off and I took over. And one thing led to another and I wound up, uh, you know, not only playing with, with stars, but I wound up like uh, booking stars. Sure. And uh, at one point I had 76 lounge bands wow. working. That's amazing. And, uh, and at any time of the week or month or day, I had probably about 15 groups in Las Vegas. It's incredible. And on every marquee, I was, uh, I had at least one of my groups appearing there. Mm. And, uh, and so it, I, I got quite successful and, uh, and started uh, booking and handling the acts that I at one time was playing for. But right. now I'm, I'm actually handling them. I'm booking yes. them. Yeah. And, and, you know, you're yeah. at this point, you're a highly successful drummer yourself, uh, a, a major yeah. career playing with stars in Vegas. Uh, you know, you didn't have to, and, and it sounds like you learned yeah. pretty much kind of on your own. One of the things that I was really impressed with your book was you talk about the business yeah. side of music and you give tips yeah. for success in the music business. Yeah. Can you say a little yes. bit about that? Well, yes. Uh, thank you for asking. Uh, well, it's it's like life in itself. Uh, the important thing is is work hard. You know, practice. Yeah. Have a lot of tremendous perseverance. You know, uh, uh, have a good attitude. Attitude is very important. Yeah. And uh, be appreciative and mingle. Always get you your name out there and try to mingle with people, try to get known. Hmm. And uh, there's, there's many, 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 uh, like situations, but perseverance is, I, I would probably say is the most important element yeah. and, and, uh, putting, putting in a lot of work in your craft. Hmm. And if you're going to play and if you're going to be uh, known and if you want to be good, uh, don't be lazy practice a lot and work very hard yeah. and uh and one thing will lead to another and and try to when an opportunity arrives try to go to whatever opportunity uh like presents itself at that particular time yes yeah and, and uh but anyhow in the book i have many many other uh you know i, I at this particular time i can't think of everything but right but if people would like to, to buy the book, I mean, it's, uh, I think they'll find it very interesting and it's very informative. It really about is. About not only music, but business wise. Absolutely. And the entertainment business. And uh, of course, I've been in Vegas uh, since 1950. Hmm. So it's, uh, I had many, many experiences, you know, and of course, uh, one of my biggest experiences was was how it evolved where I became um, conductor and musical director for Elvis Presley. Yes, let's please talk about that, Bobby. I've got a bunch of Elvis questions for you, but tell, sure, me, sure. tell, tell me what comes up for you, just some of your memories and stories of working with of Elvis. Of course, of course. Very good. Thank you for asking. Uh, I, was, uh, I was, as I said, I was an agent, and uh, and I was too busy now to to play because I was very busy mm. uh, 
like uh, booking acts and creating. Hmm. And I created a two-wall situation for uh, Robert Belay that people are still talking about it. Amazing. A two-wall is where the hotel, uh, uh, like, pays for the the uh, entertainment, and, and they don't pay the star. But okay. they pay for the band, they pay for the publicity, hmm. and they pay for the culinary workers. Okay. And then they, they, the act and the hotel split 50 50 hmm. on it. Okay. okay, now, so uh, I, I created that with, uh, you know, uh, with Robert Goulet. Anyhow, you asked me a question about how it evolved with. Uh, with Good. Elvis Presley. Sure. Well, I'm, I'm booking acts. Mm-hmm. And, and as I said, I had, I, I had a very good reputation because to me, honesty is the most important mm-hmm. element, the most important uh, feature that anybody, I believe, could have. Yeah. And I tried to be, I was not interested in how much commission I was going to make. I was interested in, in like creating and booking acts that would do very well for that particular property. Yes. So every property had its own, like, uh, had, had its own like merits and had its own needs. Sure. And, and I, I studied and learned to, to put exactly the right type of act in the right room. Hmm. So it got to a point where the entertainment directors in Las Vegas um, kind of uh, trusted me, hmm. and, they, and, and they would give me their open dates. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, this, made, this made my life very easy, and, and it, I became quite successful. Yeah. And... Um, so through that, I started booking many things mm-hmm. at the Flamingo Hotel, and I became friends with Bill Miller, the entertainment director. Okay. And Bill, Bill told me, he says, Bobby, we have a, a new hotel that we're building called the International. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, I, I really like you, and i like you to be a musical director there for the lounge area. I said, well, thank you, Bill. That sounds wonderful. Who's going to be in, in the show? And he says, Harry James. Wow. I said, well, you couldn't get a better man than Harry James. Yeah. So anyhow, about two or three weeks before opening, maybe four weeks, uh, Bill Miller called. He says, Harry James reneges and does not want to do it for whatever reason. Wow. I, and I, I'd like you to be the musical director for the showroom and the lounges for the Flamingo and for the international. Mm. And uh, we're bringing in hair show for, from Broadway for the, um, for our legitimate theater. Yes. And I'd like you to be musical director for that too. Wow. I said, well, that's wonderful, Bill. I really appreciate it, <laughs> but I didn't have that much experience as a conductor, you know? Okay. Well, I, I studied at UNLV, I took a crash course. Wow. And, uh, and I, you know, drumming is a situation where a drummer knows the tempos and things. He yes. knows, you know, That's right. I, I mean, if, so the tempos is, is of utmost importance right. for a, a drum chair to learn the tempos and not play the exact tempos every time. 
So I, I knew tempos from playing drums. So anyhow, uh, so I, I got a call from Bill Miller again. He says, Bobby, uh, Elvis Presley is going to be opening. Well, first we have Barbara Streisand, and then we have Elvis Presley, but Colonel Parker wants to meet with you, mm. Elvis's manager. So yes. I met with Colonel Parker, and he said, uh, I know you're musical director for the hotel, but I would like you to be musical director and conductor for Elvis, mm. and we'll pay you an extra sum, you know, separate from the hotel, yep. where you still retain your position as musical director for the hotel. It's incredible. So I said, well, that's absolutely wonderful. So they, they had me, uh, the, the hotel gave me permission to to uh, fly to Los Angeles. And I, I brought uh, the lead trumpet player with me, Art Vasquez. Okay. I said, what is about to happen? I needed somebody to... Yeah. Yeah. To to be uh, to be there to yeah. prove that what <laughs> that you know that this is ridiculous. Yeah, I, I was uh, going to ask you about that. What were when you get the call from Colonel Parker about Elvis yeah. and and they're asking yeah. you to do it? What yeah. what are what are your thoughts yeah. and feelings about all of this? Well, my thoughts were a little scary. Yeah, but uh, but I, I I knew I knew music. I had studied it. Mm. Yeah. Manhattan School of Music. I studied percussion, and mm. and then so I knew I knew I played vibes. I studied with Terry Snyder at at the uh, he he was the percussionist for the Perry Como show, mm. and I would go on every week. Yeah, and I was playing with the Latin bands up in the Catskill Mountains at that time, sure. and studied Amazing. percussion. So so I I knew you know from playing vibes and mm. playing timpani and playing. The bells and xylophone and marimba and all that. Sure, sure. So I, I was acquainted with with the musical aspect of of percussion. Yes. To besides just playing, uh, which percussion? Yeah. To me, uh, drums is probably the most important instrument in 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 an orchestra. As a drummer, could, I can agree. Yeah. <laughs> well. Yeah. I could give you a very quick example. Sure. Is uh, one. Time I'm playing with the house band at the uh, Sahara Hotel, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, I'm playing for uh, George Burns and Ray Robinson. Oh wow! You know we're, we're rehearsing. Yeah. And uh, so I I go I go home, you know, to change. Yeah. And I lived on the west part of town. There was only one way to get through. Mm. It was an underpass. Only one underpass. Okay. Unfortunately, coming back. There was a rainstorm, and that underpass got flooded. Wow. Well, to make a long story short, I, I couldn't make the job. Sure. And because I couldn't make the job, the, the, the show didn't go on. Yep, that's right. Because if, there was, if a trumpet player was missing or a saxophone player, right. I'm just trying to, to, to tell people the importance of, of drumming. A drummer right. is, is like a very focal point in an in an orchestra no and question. without drums you don't have an orchestra that's right and so you know anyhow you, you were leading like 40 to 60 piece orchestras at that time right i mean okay so what happened was when we opened up you know we had uh and with elvis we had the sweet inspirations the imperials hmm. 
and Elvis had his own personal uh, wonderful group, you know, yeah. back in then. Sure. Uh, and um, and and then uh, they they requested uh, twenty four strings oh. and a full orchestra. So I had about uh, forty six piece orchestra, and and with the Sweet Inspirations and the Imperials, <laughs> that kind of made it like fifty six. Wow. And with with his group of eight, yeah. you know, people, his own personal group. Yes. That made it like. 64 you know wow so uh, it was it was a really beautiful thing yeah. anyhow i uh, they, they flew me out to hollywood uh colonel park yeah and uh we went to our rca studios and i was the guest of honor and they had me sit in the front of a long long like table you know of a conference table but all the executives of MGM Studios and RCA Records and whatever. Wow. And they they put me in the front of the table side. I, I, I told Colonel Parker, I said, if you don't mind, Colonel Parker, could you please seek me somewhere else? I don't yeah. feel comfortable yeah. sitting in front of the table with all these top executives. Sure. He says, no, Bobby, you're our guest of honor. You sit wow. right there. Amazing. Mm. And to my to my left sat uh, Elvis and yeah, and what were Colonel you, Parker sat to my right. And, what were your first impressions then, of Elvis? Well, he was wonderful, man. He was wonderful. He was a gentleman. Mm. He was wonderful. We we drove up to his home in Hollywood, yeah. and uh, and the big gates. You know, there's a big gate, and had some big dogs were in the back of the gate, and. There was maybe about a hundred little girls, you know, outside the gate scratching away. You might say, yeah, to, to try to get to Elvis. Sure. And uh, and I I came. We we entered, you know, and and he welcomed me, and uh, and we had a wonderful time. And for the next couple of weeks, maybe two, four weeks, whatever it was, we uh, spent time listening to tunes. And when he'd get excited, I'd get excited. We. We'd pick out the tunes for the first show, and um, and uh, we wound up with some wonderful tunes that we all loved, mm. and some of his people were there, and he had a lot of of his friends and some of the musicians, you know, his personal group. So we'd all all get together and pick out the tunes. Did you and, also um, did Did you also get to play drums with Elvis as well as no 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 I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. I conducted. Got it. Mm-hmm. They, uh, I, I didn't need to play drums. They had a wonderful drummer, Ronnie Ron, Tutts. Ronnie Tutts, amazing yeah. drummer, right? Yeah. Yes. A wonderful drummer, man. Yeah. He was just wonderful. And uh, if I ever had to, I would be prepared too. But yes. I, you know, I, Ronnie, uh, fortunately, I mean, uh, he was wonderful and he, he never got ill. So mm. there was never no any necessity. Yeah, but he was just a wonderful player, and so were his other players. Yeah. So we picked out the, the tunes, and and it came time to for the opening, and uh, <clears throat> Kirk Akorian, the uh, chairman of the board of uh, International and the MGM, mm-hmm. I mean a multi-billionaire and a wonderful, wonderful man, mm-hmm. uh, told me to go down to his tailor and pick out. Have a tailor have a uh, tuxedo made, 
And I did that. Mm. So when it came to opening night, uh, he asked me to be a host and greet the stars. The first day was 2,200 of elites Yes. People in the audience. Yeah. Every star on in Hollywood, yeah. on Broadway, and recording, mm-hmm. and you name it: Cary Grant, Tony Curtis, yeah. uh, Elizabeth Taylor. I, you name it. The, the biggest singing stars, whatever. It's amazing. So as I'm, I'm walking with uh, Elvis for the opening, he, uh, uh, my dressing room was next to his, mm-hmm. and he. Uh, said, Bobby, who's out there? So I, I started naming it. Oh, my God. Because I'm kind of nervous. This is a story. It's all, also in the book. Yes. Uh, I, he says, I'm kind of nervous. And uh, and uh, I said, well, Elvis, don't be nervous. They're just people out there. Yeah. You know, they, uh, they think of them with no clothes on. Yeah. And uh, also think of them sitting on a on a toilet seat, you know, right. they're just yeah. people that do everything that every normal people do. So, sure. Sure. so he, he was uh, felt a lot more relaxed yeah. and he was, uh, and he gave me the thumbs up sign. You know, <laughs> as we opened it. That's fantastic. And, uh, and, uh, and it was amazing, amazing, amazing show. Yeah. And, and, it it will go down in, in history. Yes. This was July 1969, July 31st, 1969. And by the way, I'm being interviewed tomorrow for the 50th anniversary. That's right. On the, 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 the Ed Bernstein wow. television show here in Vegas at 9.30 in the morning. And oh it will be shown all, all through the West Coast, possibly places on the East Coast. That's fantastic. And, uh, and so Ed is interviewing tomorrow morning at, at 9.30. Amazing. And that's the reason I came back very early from San Francisco. Sure. Yeah. Well, happy anniversary. That's a huge deal. 50th anniversary. Tomorrow, right. tomorrow is the 50th. Yes. It was July 31st, 1969. A day, like Roosevelt said, would go down in infamy. <laughs> That's right. That is incredible. Yeah. So you you calmed Elvis down, and it sounded like it was an incredible yeah. show. I, I was curious to know, were you nervous, and who calmed you down? Well, I, I'll tell you, I, I wasn't, I, I knew I was prepared. Yeah. And when I'm prepared, mm. I wasn't nervous. Yeah. And I was just very excited mm. and thrilled. Yeah. At at this massive yeah. happening in show business. Sure. Which as uh, uh, in today, even today, 50 years later, yeah. people are talking about about that situation. Yeah. After July 31st, 19, 1969 as the biggest happening in show business. And there were many big stars, many, many big stars. Right. But nothing now, nothing uh, compared to that particular uh, opening and that particular show. Yeah, and, and I was uh, I was trying to think when I was reading that story about what would be the equivalent today because be, this is sort of like people don't know, but like this was the Super Bowl kind of thing, or maybe even bigger of music. You know, all of the the TV stations were there, and the media, and the stars. 
Is that fair to say the Super Bowl of music, or would would you equate it to something would, different? No, I would say uh, it was probably maybe even bigger than the Super Bowl. Even bigger, yeah. Because it, right. it was because Super Bowl happens once a year. Yeah. This this happens once a lifetime. Right, right. This this, this is only once in a lifetime. Yeah. And I had been with many many stars. I mean, Lena Horne, Judy Garland. Yeah. Whatever you name him, I, as sure. I said, I had the opportunity yeah. to play for every star. Right. Fortunately, because I was with the relief band that paid mm. twice as much as the regular band. Right. There was only one star that I didn't play for, and that was Betty Hutton. Mm. Okay. And she came in with her own drummer. Ah. And at the time, he, and and you might know him as Remo Belly. Ah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Heard of Remo. I'm sure you're you're acquainted with Remo. Well, Remo and I became, he became a dear, dear friend of mine. Wonderful. Wonderful. And and needless to say, a multi, multi, multi millionaire from from the drumhead that he created or that he he wound up with. Yeah. There's a long story about that, too. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, can I can I ask you a couple of more Elvis questions? Because I, I of course, absolutely. I, I'd love to hear the Remo questions. But since we're on the stories with, with of Elvis, course. Uh, of course, this the whole thing of Elvis has left the building because these were um, a, a string of shows. The The first one yes. was legendary, but yes. a string of shows together. The whole yes. thing of Elvis yes. left the building. Did you come up with yes. that and create that? No, I didn't. Okay. No, there was a, there was a man uh, who uh, who was kind of working for uh, for the uh, Elvis family, you know, and and for Tom Diskin. And Tom Diskin was Elvis's, uh, I mean, Colonel Parker's personal like yeah uh, like assistant. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and uh, and this man came up with Elvis has left the building after I believe the first or second show, and it became a thing where like. Uh, it became uh, quite famous, yeah. Actually, because uh, and uh, and and many many other things, but uh, there's, there's there's many situations that, that happened yeah. with uh, with Elvis. You know, he had a wonderful sense of humor, and sometimes very caustic type of sense of humor, huh? uh, in, in a way that not caustic and, and being mean, yeah, but being funny, yeah, and I'll give you an example of that. Yes, Joe sure. Esposito, mm-hmm. his uh, personal uh, friend and kind of like assistant mm-hmm. that he uh, kind of, he spent time with in the service in the army. Yeah, so they became very close friends. Well, it was uh, Joe's birthday after one of the shows, and and the uh, bakery mm-hmm. made him a gigantic semi-layer cake of about maybe six foot round wow. all around. Yeah. And I was uh, just dying to get a piece of it. Sure. So anyhow, they put candles in and Elvis had him, uh, had Joe blow out the candles. And as he had him blow out the candles, he pushed his face into the cake. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that, that ended my, uh, yeah. Appetite for the seven layer <laughs> cake. Right. <laughs> That's fantastic. But you know, but but, uh, but Elvis had Elvis had a wonderful sense of humor. He was funny, and he uh, he loved to have 
his guys around him all the time, you know, yeah. and uh, yeah. and he enjoyed himself. Mm. But uh, unfortunately, it was very difficult for him yeah. too because he was not able to to go out in in public. Otherwise, people would would scratch away. They would they would choke him to death. You know, mm, right? They would, uh, uh, for instance, uh, after one of the shows. I'm I'm in the casino, you know, and I'm having a uh, seven up or something, mm-hmm. and um, and and girls would come to, oh, you're Bobby Morris, mm-hmm. Elvis conduct, oh, we would do anything if we could meet Elvis, you know. Yeah, sure. Well, my dressing room was next to his, so I decided to to in, invite some of them backstage, mm-hmm. and uh, because. His his uh, dressing room was very close to mine, yes. and in his there were many stars, mm. like Tom Jones, Humpty uh, Ding. Yeah. I mean, all Danny K, all the big stars of the day that were appearing in Vegas. Sure. So they would congregate after the show and come to see Elvis, and it, and he he wanted some breathing space. Right. So he would come into my dressing room once in a while just to. Mm. Just to like relax, man. Sure, sure. You know, just to sit down and relax. Yeah. Well, he came in one time and there were these little girls there, you know, and mm. and I said, uh, "Girls, this is uh, say hello to Mr. Elvis Presley." Mm. Inevitably, one or two of them would faint. Mm. Yeah, and yeah. and they would go, "Oh my God," you know, yeah. and uh, and it it. Uh, it was uh, he was he had that kind of uh, uh, presence where sure. he was like a, like a living god. I mean, yes. he was absolutely yeah. like uh, just an amazing, amazing yeah. figure, uh, and musically and literally. I mean, is just a wonderful person. Yeah, and you were really with him at the top of his game in the in the late sixties, early seventies. You write in your yes. book. Uh, you know, you're right. That you, yes. you didn't see the struggles that he went through later in the in the late seventies. No, no, I didn't. No. I I was, I got very very busy in the yeah. entertainment business, and it was very difficult for me to to uh, at, because I was still booking acts, and mm. you can't. How many hats can you wear? You know, right. it's very right. very difficult. Yeah, yeah. and. Uh, and a situation arose with Bill Cosby that I would rather not go through at this time. It's very okay. distasteful, distasteful to me, you know. Okay. Yep, that's fine. Can I ask, when was the last time you saw Elvis, and what was that interaction like? Uh, the last time I saw Elvis uh, was possibly at the uh, Sahara Tahoe. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, it was very friendly. I mean, very nice. And he's, we were always, he was always very pleasant to me mm. and very cordial and friendly and very nice. We were yeah. friends, you know, yeah. and yeah. and I had spent time, you know, uh, picking out music and picking out like uh, different arrangements that I felt that, um, mm. that uh, would be very worthy of. Yeah. Of his presence, you know. Yes. Now, one of the things that he did that I really love, and I don't know if you had anything to do with this, Bobby, but he did a medley, yes. li- the Little Sister and the Beatles Get Back medley. Uh-huh. Did you did uh, you put that together with him? 
I I don't I don't remember. I don't okay. I don't remember if I put it together or if it was already there. Already I don't there. Remember. Got it. Yeah, I'm Got sorry. I don't. That's that's okay. Totally. You know, yeah. it was a, obviously a very sad, uh, huge thing in 1977. I mean, most of the world can say where they were when Elvis died. Yeah. Um, and. Yes. You know, my mom actually had tickets to the show in Augusta, Maine, that he was going to be coming to. Where were you, Bobby, when you found out that Elvis had passed? Well, as I said, I was uh, I was still in Las Vegas, very, very heavily involved in the entertainment business, and about to uh, accept a few positions as entertainment director, Mm. and uh, and doing very well, and. And I, I heard about this, and I was, I, needless to say, I was, yeah. it was one of the uh, sorriest, one of the lowest days of my life, sure. because I, I really, really cared for him, and sure. and for him to pass away, and and so untimely, yeah. and uh, in, in such a horrible way, right? It, it was un, unnecessary, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm sorry that. Uh, that uh, Colonel Parker couldn't at one time uh, uh, they gotten a hold of him mm. and send him on an, an island with about 10 or 20 girls yeah. and just parachuted some food and drink yeah. on it so he could c- come down to earth and come down to sure. reality, you know. Yeah, sure. Yeah, because it- uh, <laughs> life got very unrealistic yeah. and <laughs> impossible. And, and sure. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It became yeah. impossible. And the respect that that he was he was not able to enjoy life anymore. He couldn't go anywhere. He couldn't do anything. Right. And it it was like, where is the joy? What mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to be he was like a prisoner. Sure. In his own body, in his own uh, room, and his in his own environment. Yeah. And uh, mm. it was very unfortunate. Absolutely. And I was very very saddened by it. I I really. Truly loved him, and I, hmm. I, I, I wish to God that he would have taken better care of himself, and it didn't of happen. Of course, yeah, it's a sad and, tragedy. I mean, to die, to die at forty-three years old hmm. was, yeah, was totally unnecessary and, yeah, and uh, and uncalled for, you know. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, thankfully, you had that time with him, even though a very sad, tragic yes. lost and uh, loss. And yes. you, you made history together. So thank you for that. Yes. Um, well, that that day in nineteen that yeah. engagement uh, yeah. will, will, is history. I'm I'm <laughs> on recordings, you know, live recordings with him, yes. and yeah. and it uh, it was it was a joy yeah. being with him at the time. And but I was. Very heavily involved in the entertainment business too. Yes, and it it made it very difficult to to do both. You know, how how did you manage all of that, Bobby? With the, your music, the business, the music business. You know, you talked about your personal life in there. How, how did you find the balance for yourself with all of that? Well, it, it was hard. I mean, uh, you know, like personal wise and marriage wise. I mean, I. It was very difficult yeah. to to stay married and uh, you know and uh, to have a normal uh, relationship going. And consequently, I uh, I went through a few wives and uh, 
Mm-hmm. And uh, Joan is is my fifth wife, and and uh, and we've been together now for thirty three years. And, wow, amazing! And, uh, and she she's wonderful and yes. very intelligent. Fantastic! And she's a scholar and a graduate of Bonnet Columbia University, and amazing and very and very talented and yes. former. Uh, 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 Miss um, Miss Nevada and wow. and the one of the finalists in the Miss America thing, a beautiful girl. But more than that, very intelligent and yeah. and uh, and and I'm very um, very happy and yeah. and I feel uh, I, I feel that um, honored and uh, mm. to finally have found the right person to spend the rest of my life with. It's wonderful. Congratulations on that. Yeah. Joan sounds like a keeper, Bobby, right? Thank you very much. (laughs) Yeah. She's wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. She's, she's she's very, uh, very intelligent and very up on things and very big help. That's great. To me. It's wonderful. I I wish I had met her. I wish she was my first wife and, yeah, I would have never had to like reach out to anybody else. You know? Sure, of course. Yeah, but that's so, life, you know. I mean? That's right. Yeah, we all have a so, journey. We all have a journey, and some of the ups and downs. Yeah. You you've had right. some amazing ups, and you know, I was also struck by you talked about perseverance. Uh, if I can ask you a couple more questions. Sure, of course. I was curious about how are you doing health-wise because you've talked about some of the challenges that you've gone through. Well, I've I've had uh, I've I've had prostate cancer, Mm -hmm. and fortunately, uh, you know, I I, I've gone to San Francisco on a few occasions, Mm -hmm. and Dr. Shinohara and Dr. Roach, uh, ironically, Dr. Roach. Is a uh, his uh, uncle. He's uh, his uncle was Max Roach. Oh, is that right? Tremendous, wow. Yeah, and his name is Mac Roach, <laughs> and uh, I guess and it's uh, wonderful. And they, wow. I might uh, give him credit for saving my life on quite a few occasions. And mm. it's been I've lived with uh, prostate cancer for twenty years. And fortunately, it's being held in abeyance, and uh, and I'm I'm still kicking. You, know? you are still kicking. That's that's perseverance yeah. right there, Bobby. Uh, I'm kicking. I'm playing drums every day. And are you still playing? And, uh, I'm playing drums. I've got I've got three homes. So I, yeah. So I've got uh, a home. My main home is Vegas, and mm-hmm. I've got a large home here. And I've got a few sets of drums. I've got the sunlight drums from China that I advertise mm-hmm. for in Slingolin yes. that I've been with for years. Yes. And then I've got the three sets in Utah. Wow. And uh, and I've got a couple of sets in Florida. Amazing. And I've been appearing uh, with uh, with uh, some of the uh, uh, college bands, uh, the uh, jazz orchestras. I love and, it. Uh, and playing a composition of drumology, which, by the way, if you look in the, in the book, okay, in the book, I think on p- page three or something, it'll, it'll tell you how to get into, into where you could, there's two different versions of drumology that I did. 
with my New Orleans jazz band and with the Sunspot album. And uh, and also maybe 15 or 20 more pictures on on it. Amazing. and uh, so if you have a chance, you know, t- take a look at it. Sure. You might find it interesting. It's, it's in the flyer of the, of, the, uh, of the book, actually, Bobby Morris, My Las Vegas. The yes. flyer that's part of the drumology is in- introducing some of the acts that I've been with and all that. That's fantastic. Drumology. I will definitely check that out. Do you, yeah. Do you have any tips on how to practice your famous shuffle? Yes, I, it's, it's, it's everything, everything is like baby steps. Mm. I mean, obviously, you know, you're not going to try to practice at, at the insane tempos that we were forced to play. But if you do it nice and slow, everything is slow. Practice everything very slow to get, to get, um, speed and to get, uh, uh, to get uh, your, you know, your hands up to to, to where you want it. Mm. You don't want to ever practice or try to go fast. You want to practice very slow until you're very comfortable. Mm. On, the, on, on the shuffle, if you do the left hand, just practice the left hand and do a but try to get the accent on two and four to coordinate with the accent of two and four with the hi-hat and have both accents come down in unison together and to get a very crisp sound. Okay. And do it very, very slowly and then and then raise the, the tempo a little bit where you're comfortable and keep raising the tempo until you, you could play mm. and you could be comfortable at doing up-tempos. That's great. And uh, at the shuffle thing. Yeah. So on the but, snare, uh, on the snare and the hi hat. Yeah. Very slowly. Yes. Uh, do, do the snare mm-hmm. with the left hand. Do the hi hat with the right hand on the closed hi hat. Yes. Play four yes. four on the bass drum. Keep a nice steady feel on the bass drum, mm. but do it very crisp and very steady, and, and keep trying to emulate that sound and the rhythm at, at faster tempos. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I got known for that, but I, 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 I was, I did grow up in 52nd Street as <laughs> in the bebop yes. uh, stage. And I'd like to tell you, if I may, a little story, please. I was playing with uh, Red Robbie and, uh, uh, you know, Red Rodney, the jazz trumpet player and uh, wonderful guitar player. Uh, I forgot his name. And anyhow, uh, we, we keep hearing that there's a new music coming down from Harlem. Mm-hmm. It's called Bebop. Mm. And uh, so we're all waiting for them to open up. The, I believe the Deuces at Dalby Club. And I'm with Kay Winding. I'm sitting with Kay Winding. And... Uh, and we all go down at between our sets to hear this new music. And on trumpet was, was Dizzy Gillespie. On wow. alto was Charlie Parker. Trombone, J.J. Johnson. On uh, bass, Curly Russell. Piano, Bud Powell. On drums, Max Roach. It's quite a band. And, huh? and, they, and, and they opened up with this up-tempo. 
ஆனா இப்ப அப்ப ரெண்டுபேருக்குறோம்ட்ரீட் ஜிமிப்பன் wonderful and yes. at, at at one time he challenged me to go through his book mm. from the beginning to end and gave me a tempo you know not fast mm-hmm. but zing jing 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 mm. and to stop from beginning to end yeah and uh, i i did it and he was he was very impressed and i i was yeah very impressed with myself that i could do it you, you know, should it was, be yeah that that's it, it very <laughs> it was very difficult yes. to do but i i i love the uh, the uh, the uh, the left the right hand plank time yeah. with the left hand and the right foot mm. uh playing against time you know and right. and kind of complimenting the instrumentalist yeah uh, that's playing you know front and that was a wonderful wonderful experience for me yeah but uh anyhow you know you try to go through one thing to another and and another and another and and all i could tell is uh, young drummers out there is is never give up man don't mm. just persevere and uh, never give up and just keep working hard and uh and don't stop yeah and just um try to get everything you can and try to learn from anybody you can and pick up whatever you can from who whomever mm. and uh so that's this is um in my experience and uh yeah it's great advice it's, it's, it's been a joy i mean i've had many many experiences and yes. funny things like uh i it's in the book um yeah i'm uh, playing at the frontier when i first came to las vegas uh, to to go back many many years to the beginning and I'm playing for this movie actor who was a B movie actor in in cowboy movies mm-hmm. and uh, <clears throat> uh anyhow his uh we he invited me to to breakfast and so I I took him to breakfast he took me to breakfast it was 49 cents mm-hmm. at, at the time and uh and i i think you might know who i'm talking about well you want up to be the governor of 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 uh yes the, of california and the president of the right. united states right ronald reagan right ronald reagan man amazing amazing ronald, stuff. ronald reagan and, so you and met I said, and i i would call him ronnie i said uh, yeah. who's t- who's turn is it for breakfast ronnie yours or mine <laughs> you said, Well, I think it's fine, Bobby. Right. <laughs> so we go out to 49 cents, you know, 
and have breakfast. And it was just a wonderful, wonderful experience. Yeah. And many experiences in life and right. and learning and right. and, uh, and and history. Yeah. And uh, then I'm with Louis Preman, and uh, it's in the book. Yeah. Fellow Peter Lawford, a movie actor, comes in. Mm-hmm. And he brings his uh, brother-in-law, who was who Senator, Senator Kennedy. Yeah. So uh, Senator Kennedy and Peter Lawford became big fans yeah. of Louis Keeley and the Witnesses. They loved our music. So everywhere we worked, the Moulin Rouge in Hollywood, the Copacabana in New York, the Schaeferie in Chicago, Latin Casino in Philly, hmm. there's uh, Pete and uh, Peter Lawford and... Uh, Senator Kennedy said, at one point, Peter Lawford introduced us and says, Bobby, I'd like you to meet Senator Kennedy. I said, oh, Senator Kennedy, what a pleasure it is to to meet you. Mm. He said, just call me Jack. (laughs) So we were invited by uh, Frank Sinatra to do the inauguration in, I believe, 1961, 62, Mm. 61, I think, the presidential. And, of course, us personally. Yeah. So we did the inauguration and every star in Hollywood and Broadway was there and Amazing. and recording stars and my God, it was just anyhow we're we're up on the thirty second floor of the Sheridan and I'm playing with the rhythm section for Sarah Vaughan. Mm-hmm. And uh I guess the drummer didn't wasn't around so I, I sat in with them. Wow. And everybody was sitting in with us and St. Frank Sinatra and Harry Belafonte and mm. and uh, Sarah Ella Fitzgerald and mm. just everybody was up there. And in comes uh, President-elect Kennedy yes. and Jacqueline and his wife to yeah. thank everybody, you know. Mm. Mm. So as as they came over to me to thank me, I, I was going to say, Jack, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> He told me to call him Jack. Right. But now I, re- I realize he's not Jack anymore. He's the right. president right. of the United States. You know, yes. Yes. I said, oh, Mr. President, I I wish you the best. I, I Everybody loves you. And I I hope that I and I'm sure you're going to be the best president we ever had. Yeah. Anyhow, he was he was actually a personal friend by that time. But That's great. But once he's president, nobody's a personal friend anymore. You sure, know. sure. Yeah, he was a little busy, right? So, yeah. He was a little busy, yes. Yeah. yeah. So you rub an elbow with presidents. You are playing with legends like Elvis and Barbara Streisand and the Red Barbara Streisand, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You've, you've had an incredible yeah. life so far, Bobby. What's next? Well, uh, next... Uh, let me see what is next now. What 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 do you think? Uh, a movie. A movie. There you yeah. go. I yeah. like that idea. We, been, yeah. Yeah, we've been approached. Sure. Possibly by mm-hmm. uh, doing a movie from the book. Yes. And that might be. And uh, and I'm still playing. And yeah. And and I'm I'm not a kid anymore, as you know. Sure. Uh, sure. Uh, but I uh, fortunately I'm. I'm, my hands are still moving, and I'm, I, I'm still enjoying playing, and I, wonderful. I'm, I'm into 
jazz. I'm into sitting in with anybody I can. Mm. I'm into doing clinics amazing. and uh, representing drum companies and things like that. It's amazing. Are and, you uh, still? Are, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to ask: Are you still learning and working on? I mean, I have the vision of you of like you can play anything and everything. But are there things that you're still working I'm, on? I'm still learning huh. and working. It's great and enjoying trying new things. I I, I love many of the young drummers today. Uh, Dave Weckl and uh, Steve Smith, of course. Yes, and uh, and uh, just a, a whole bunch of the new things that I'm into jazz fusion now. I'm trying really? all the new things and trying. Uh, I mean, there's no end to drumming. That's right. There's, That's drumming right. is endless. It's right. infinity. It's <laughs> it's forever. It's like it doesn't matter how much yeah how much you know. There's That's always right. so much more to know. Absolutely. And, uh, and uh, you know, I, I spent time with Greek bands and Latin bands and yes. learning to play it authentically, like, and uh, learning different time signatures and yeah. and uh, doing solos in 5, 8, 9, 8, 7, 8 times and things like that. And, no. and uh, trying different things <clears throat> and enjoying. But, but, David, there's no end to learning that's one there's no end at yeah. this uh uh steve smith is is a wonderful wonderful human being and a wonderful player and in my discussions with him he said uh, he practices every day for a couple of hours huh. every day and he and and he is still trying new things still mm-hmm. trying to learn new things yeah. and uh, and and you know Steve is about as good as you could get. He's, yes, yes. He's uh, the most versatile, wonderful player yeah. of any any kind of music, and mm. and he's a wonderful human being, a wonderful player, and uh, and I've met some wonderful people, including, of course, uh, Rob Wallace with yes. Hudson Music, and yeah. we had a wonderful time in Las Vegas. Uh, traveling around and doing book signing things, right. and he's uh, he he took a chance on us to do the book, and I really appreciate it. I appreciate him. Yeah, and uh, uh, well, Bobby, you are an inspiration, and you're inspiring me. I'm I'm going to go practice. It's really such a treat and pleasure to have you on the show. The book is called My Las Vegas. Go buy it today. Bobby Morris, thank you so much for being on Musicians on the Show. Musicians on the Record. Thank you. Thank you very, very much for having me, David. It's a pleasure. And uh, I I really appreciate this conversation we had. It's been a treat. uh, And I I hope very soon in the future we'll, we'll meet in person. I would love that, Bobby. That'd be fantastic. That'd be great. Yeah, and I hope they do make. I do hope they make a movie. I don't know who would. Do you have any choices of uh, who you would pick to play you? <laughs> well, uh, well, yes, actually, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike Douglas mm. uh, would be wonderful. Okay, uh, he would be wonderful as uh, yeah. Very cool. And uh, I, I might have Kirk Douglas, his father. 
yeah. playing me and yeah. the older as the older uh, ah, Bobby Moore. There know? you go. Right. Excellent. I love it. Michael Douglas, uh, sort of a father and son team. Yeah, father yes. and son team. Yes. Let's make it happen, yeah, Bobby. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much, David. Wow, man, we could we could go on forever with this I conversation. Know. I know. I know. Absolutely. Absolutely. And 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 it's a pleasure. And really, I hope. I hope very much that, that we meet in the future and we can Me too. really spend some time together. Me too. That would be wonderful. Bobby, thank you so much for your music and, and really being on the show today. Thank you. Thank you very much.